1: And welcome to the NXT oh, 2.0. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the dadly boys, Michael Hampler from What Culture, to Look Back on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. Oh, but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, oh, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamper to review anything. F- but oh michael sidgwick sadly feeling a bit under the weather today because he's working so bloody hard on his brilliant aew book which you can pre-order now whatculture.bigcartel.com you can also order that as part of the sidgwick bundle with his book all about <laughs> NXT as well there too, but pamphlets we are here to talk NXT Dubai. Oh, and uh, well, we speculated on the preview yesterday in the only slight bit of professionalism that we had in there uh, that this Ooh. was going to be the first step on the road to war goats, and we weren't wrong.
2: Yeah, well, because which is good because we were wrong about just about everything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you know, one hundred twenty thousand words on becoming all elite, um, aren't enough. We can now sort of finally see becoming. NXT 2.0, because this episode, more than any other that I can remember in the short run of this show, felt like there was as clear a distinction and direction as ever, maybe, mm-hmm. about what this brand was. And that is that is to say that the pilot made it <laughs> explicitly clear what NXT 2.0 was. It was this gimmick production line. It was this wrestler factory. It was this kind of reimagining and reshaping of the outward vision of the performance center, that we always had we always felt that we got to know the um i guess like the order of things in the performance center Mm. how long you would go from that property of the wwe performance center t-shirt through to when we could expect to see you on television through to when we could expect to see you on takeover and then inevitably when you'd be lifted and taken for the main roster forever like the green aliens in toy story (laughs) um it it wasn't always that way but i would say maybe seven or eight times a ten you saw that run 2.0 is reshaping that and shifting its mentality entirely and I guess there's probably no better way to draw that. I was going to say thick black line but I guess it should be a thick neon line. There's probably no better way to draw that neon line than at the War Games pay-per-view. There was stuff set up on this show which is very broad and very sort of you, they're spoon-feeding their audience a little bit. Mm. Um, not, on a, not on a silver spoon, because silver spoons are classless. But they're spoon-feeding <laughs> their audience a little bit about about where all this is going. Um, I shouldn't distance myself from it. I'm part of that audience. Their audience. Those people over there that I'm looking down on from upon my hill. Um, but yeah, more so than Halloween Havoc, more so than kind of some of the other big episodes with some of the big matches or the title changes, whatever. The, the direction for War Games is now explicitly clear. 2.0 pretty much starts there for real. For better or worse, I'm not saying you have to like what's going to come of it, but that absolutely feels like the start. Yeah, I
1: have to say I quite enjoyed this show, the more I think about it. There was some decent wrestling on there, brief flashes though it was, and like you say, they built towards uh, a pay-per-view, not a takeover, but a pay-per-view nonetheless Mm. for NXT, that I thought at the end of it, when I was discussing it on the news with Andy this morning, they sort of stumbled into quite a decent card here. I mean, I'm terrified for the uh, what, 16 people involved in war games, because some of them have a lot more experience in this than others, and oh, good God, we're getting one of those ladder advantage things happening next week on, on NXT 2.0, oh, of course, but as preposterous as some of the developments were, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that will live longer in the memory than, I don't know, last week's NXT, for example, that I literally can't remember a second of <laughs> other than Tony won, and then they tried to kill Dexter Loomis. Anyway, uh, Mm -hmm. let's start right at the beginning of the show because they hadn't even got through the old opening video package before Grayson Waller was yelling on the microphone, saying, no one wants to see this. He said, look... There's the big, you know, video wall of the legends of WWE. And yeah, Champa's not in it, despite being one of the greatest NXT champions of all time, because he's not larger than life or a superstar like Grayson Waller. And he says, Don't boo me. You're the ones who booed Cena out of WWE. Now he's killing it in Hollywood. They did the same with The Rock. And don't get him started. On Roman Reigns, who headlined WrestleMania after WrestleMania, but still got booed. He's killing it, too. So Waller's realized that the fans don't matter. Superstars do. He was soon interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa, who he was set for a match with. But what did you make of this? An interesting mix-up, rather than having the show come out in an opening promo, just yelling over the opening titles, basically,
2: instead. I oh, like, yeah, I guess if you wanted to be kind, you could say that they were trying to achieve something different with uh, this Grayson Waller promo. Uh, just achieving something with with different with Grayson Waller is a weekly occurrence, isn't it? <laughs> this is yet another string to so I didn't get this. Um, I didn't, I, I don't like that WWE tie themselves in so many knots with their promos that you're able to. Um, point out the hypocrisies and like have a pick at the plot holes the very next day we've just had this with Becky Lynch on Raw what is Grayson Waller talking about here what platform is he standing on does he hate the veterans the legends um or does he hate the fans for chasing the legends away if he had so much reverence I understand the idea that like he has reverence for icons and he doesn't consider Tommaso Ciampa one of them but that's the broader point, isn't it? Is that the he is saying that he doesn't consider Tommaso Champa an icon. So if he replaces Tommaso Champa, who exactly is he replacing? Mm. Do you know, like if he sort of if he takes down Tommaso Ciampa, it's like well yeah, but you just told me that you don't think Champa's on Cena and Roman Reigns level. So who exactly is it that you're like tackling here? And the fact that he was setting himself up to be beaten by him too. Um, did, boilerplate stuff WWE is so used to Writing this copy That they don't realise How hypocritical And stupid it is <laughs> So they just send pe- They just send people Out there to say it Regardless of the fact That it no longer Makes any sense And even some of the fans are sort of programme to hear the keywords They're not listening To the content They're hearing the keywords Like we always joke about You people Each and every one of you And that's like This sort of switch Boo It's not a Full-throated Enthusiastic bilious hatred It's just, Oh yeah This is my bit Isn't it Boo Ah sh- Shut up. <laughs> uh, just, I, I didn't like, I didn't, I've, I'm didn't. i not sure what my favourite Grayson Waller gimmick is, but curious, uh, raw host, I don't think is my favourite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the match soon got started with uh, Tommaso Champa beating the piss out of Grayson Waller for bad-mouthing legends, basically. Waller uh, slapped him at one point, not a good idea. Beat him down in the corner, stomped on him, I thought, for a split second. Oh, God. Please don't do that thing where he gets DQ'd for kicking too much ass. Uh, Waller did eventually get some offense in, though he cut him off, uh, hit a couple of neck breakers. He even uh, did a sort of homage to the people's elbow, which popped me, uh, especially when Champa moved out of the way and mowed him down with lariats instead. Um, Champa takes him to the outside, beats him up around there, throws him over the announce desk. And as we come back from the break, uh, Champa fires up. He's been a uh, Beaten down during the commercial break, but uh, Champa's back and they smash into each other, double down, uh, another double down after a jumping knee strike uh, from Champa. Uh, who also hit a, a sort of middle rope air raid crash. Which I thought looked great and was incredibly surprised when uh, Grayson Waller kicked out of it, and uh, he fought back a rolling fireman's carry slam, and he uh, went off the middle rope with a Randy Savage elbow drop, dived through the uh, over the ropes, I should say, onto Champer. But as he is uh, uh, following all that up, he gets caught with the uh, Willow's belt, and Champer hits the fairy tale ending: one, two, three. Like you say. A very sort of bog standard setup of boo this man and then the ch- the champ's gonna beat him, and we'll we'll see more of these two together. Well, in what a week on Sunday, effectively.
2: Yeah, I liked um I like this match more in the context of the wider story that it was telling for war games more than it did the match itself. It probably ran a little bit longer than it needed. Grayson Wallet, I should say, is is probably better than the relatively low bar mm. in terms of green wrestler set on NXT um, and he showed quite he showed something here but I still think it went a little bit too long as as though to expose him a little bit he kind of he started to look a little bit out of his depth towards the end the people's elbow thing was interesting because again if this if this is him paying his respects to the legends um it really undermines everybody who's fighting on NXT 2.0 if that is genuinely one of his new gimmicks then so everybody on here sucks like, there's absolutely nobody in The Rock's orbit or uh, John Cena's orbit or Roman Reigns. And we know that. You can't say it as explicitly as that when you're building up to a match against them. The best of NXT's best, you know. But I did ultimately like this as a, as a device for getting us to where we were in the main event. Tommaso Ciampa comes out early, acts like a champion, acts like a leader, beats one of this new breed unleashed <laughs> um, ahead, of what, ahead of what we get in the, the main event segment.
1: Uh, Post match, LA Knights is backstage. He's asked about what's just gone down, and he said, "Well, I could have gone out and cost Grayson Waller the match, but I knew he was going to lose, so I didn't didn't want to give him that satisfaction." Waller sucks. That's just a fact of life. And then in comes uh, Joe Gacy, who says, "These facts are destructive, and we should we should try and build each other up." And us, East space is, is out a ring, and it's it's always open. And L.A. Knight goes, why do you have to make everything so bloody creepy? Which did pop me. Uh, and he says, I'll beat your ass instead of beating Grayson up." So we've got a match set up for later on. We'll get your thoughts more on Joe Gacy's weirdness a little bit later. Because we then had Toxic Attraction walking through the back. They're met by crazy Dakota Kai. God, I hate this new character development for her. She deserves so much better and then they walk past an area that's been smashed up, and they go, hmm, "Looks like someone's been in their own personal rage room here." Who could that be? It's Kaylee Ray because she's been doing the rage gimmick, hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Kaylee Ray, and uh, yeah, they... subtlety—that's what I like about my NXT.
2: So we've got um, Kaylee Ray, and let's be honest, Dakota Kai, that have both got kind of uncontrollable a frenzy about them. Be it anger, be it other emotions. They just, they just cannot control their emotions. Well, on these bloody women. <laughs> and then you've got you've got toxic attraction and somebody else that we're going to talk about later on that are just you know, mm, bitches. God, women make me so mad, they make me so mad. And then you've got who Cora Jade is somebody that is there. Uh, she could just be a, your best mate. Some women, they're just your best friend. It's almost like it's almost as if the four old dudes that book this show are, t- are trying to project something i can't quite see what it is mm. it's, it, it's almost like they've got a hatred for a certain portion of society quite a big portion of society quite well represented portion of society it's almost like they've got a real impotent hatred <laughs> of a certain society. and i just can't i can't unpick this puzzle <laughs> i just i can't put the pieces together of why all those characters that I've just listed, what there's like a common denominator about these characters mm. that I've just listed, but I cannot understand why these dated, hideous stereotypes have been applied to these particular characters. It's a, it's an interesting one that we'll have to try and figure out as these, mm. as the, as NXT rolls on, we should, uh, we should try and investigate this a little deeper. I think. This is, awesome. this is the
1: thing, because NXT is so bloody schizophrenic, because you have that, all that bollocks with Gacy and then the women backstage, <laughs> and then you have what came next, which I thought mm. was spectacular. Yeah. He came around, baby, to the movie's the best thing about this goddamn show. I've been saying it for years now. He comes out, he's got His beard's sort of trimmed. It's not, you know, completely butchered, but obviously bits Mm. of it got chopped off by G. Bladdy Hansen, along with bits of his hair last week. He's still got the long hair, but his beard's not tidied up, basically. And he's, he's incredibly emotional. He cuts this excellent promo he talks about growing up in a small town in north carolina getting bullied being told he's not good enough and then he showed everyone how he was good enough and he he shows now that he holds it down and he and he got rich off the back of it but he kept his long hair and his long beard to remind himself of the times when he was sleeping on a concrete floor when he had nothing and he said duke hudson he took all that away from him He humiliated and he embarrassed him. But worst of all, he made him angry. Hudson appears on the Tron after being called out by Grimes and says, oh, don't bloody recognize you, mate. Uh, He says, "I, I, I don't know why you're angry, actually. I gave you my money. You took money from me and you got a free haircut. And now you look like a human being and not a troll under a bridge. And again, Grimes calls him out and says, come out, let's settle this. And he says, right, well, after Duke again refuses, I gave you a chance to show how big your bowels are, but you've proved (laughs) your, I love this line, gutless and nutless. And he says, tell you what, let's go all in, Duke. Hair versus hair at NXT war games. And Hudson responds by saying, yeah, I wouldn't mind taking a bit more off the top. You're on, I'm going to take the rest. And he holds up a bag of, Grimes his hair with he carries that round with him mm, and God. says yes yeah, see you at war games basically this was phenomenal Hamfler
2: yeah I really like this uh, no jokes no pissing about um, Cameron Grimes pretty much from the very beginning has walked the neon tightrope. On NXT 2.0 being a character from the old world that is able to be malleable enough to fit and blend into the new one and we've kind of always I like to think at least we've always acknowledged that he was an outlier in the old world as a result he was too colorful for the dank of the CWC he was one of those kind of him and uh, the likes of Everise at the time were sort of shining lights in this dark tunnel of a show and it's no surprise that he's been able to shine on this one his in ring has always been good to great. His character is something that he just knows so well. And the difference between, it's an old idiot. I didn't make this up, but it's an old idiom that feels more relevant to NXT 2.0 than possibly any wrestling show I can think of. Uh, gimmicks sell t-shirts, characters sell tickets. What is happening on NXT every week is that a gimmick is being supplanted on a wrestler. A wrestler is a rich tennis player. That we'll, you know, talk about later on. Uh, wrestler is a um, who else have we got on this show? A card player, I guess, in the form of Cameron Grimes's opponent. They just—it's a gimmick factory. It was to the point where we could make a joke about it—a watch your thing production line of these bizarre, a mafioso, bizarre, hundred percent gimmick slapped on somebody like a phone cover. Cameron Grimes happens to be a bit of a hillbilly. He happens to have come in with some money but these are characteristics that make up who he is. They are not just sandwich boards that he has to wear mm. out to the rink every week, you know? And this is the benefit of a character like his, is you get a promo like this. You get backstory that helps just colour in uh, a little bit of this character that you already knew the details of you already you already knew that he was this hillbilly kid from this tiny town in north carolina but now we know a little bit more that'll bring in we already knew that he'd struck it lucky and gotten rich but this ties together the fact of what being rich actually meant to him because they're kind of realistic qualities that have been applied to a person rather than just daft ridiculous character traits or a job that's the thing half of these wrestlers aren't wrestlers they do another job Wrestling appears to be something that they're moonlighting in. Tony D'Angelo's here to make some money. He's come at the wrong place. Just stick with the family business, don't <laughs> Like, uh, this is different. Duke Hudson is not that. Duke Hudson is a fucking poker player. That's ridiculous. Duke Hudson, a guy that wants to bring Cameron Grimes down a peg or two and cut his hair, does a characteristics. Huge difference between Duke Hudson, the poker player, and by the way, a terrible one, and a guy that wants to, like, take out his anger and his bitterness and his resentment on a Cameron Grimes – huge difference between gimmicks and characters. And you've got two characters here, and now you've got stakes. Now you've got stakes in the form of the hair. There is reason for both men to want to fight. It's a battle of uh, sincere pride. Hair, for all, this is a bit of a dated concept now because people are either more than willing to go bald or in some cases invest in hair plugs. I don't know why they choose the latter over the former, but you know, like <laughs> live and let live, I suppose. But this is a bit of a throwback stake, but it's one that still lands in wrestling and always has gravitas nonetheless. Um, I don't know if the match can deliver on these promos and on this build, but this is legitimately good. I would, I would expect to see this on AEW, and dare we even say they're doing a better job of a hair versus hair storyline than on AEW?
1: Without question, yeah, without 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 debate, yeah. I, I thought this was really good um, off you know a surreal live poker showdown development that they had a while back. Um, what do we always say, Michael Hanford, as supporters of middling to bad, at the best of times, football teams? It's the hope that kills you. This lit a fire under me and I thought, so you're telling me there's a chance this character <laughs> could not only work in NXT 2.0, oh, but by, by process of the fact that it's run by the same people, maybe, just maybe... He could get a US title run on the main roster. And I want to get carried I know, away. I know, but, I, know. I know what you're
2: saying, aren't you? At the Survivor Series, I was saying, look, if you're not going to build a baby face, what's the point of this Roman Reigns heel character? We found our baby face. Oh, don't,
1: don't, 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 don't. don't <laughs> because I'll get carried away. But I'm really, I,
2: I could, I could, I could. It wouldn't matter. WWE, one, it's fine. You Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, a series of uh, backstage stuff and promos here. who Dunn says it's too long since I've held a title. Bloody go I've stood in my way too many times <laughs> <laughs> You take people saying commentmen I am you're the ne- leader of the new blood Well it's time for <laughs> me to become North American champion. And Mackenzie uh, Mitchell uh, is chatting with uh, Persia Prater and Indy Hartwell. Indy's asked about the state of Dexter Loomis after he got his hand broken. She says uh, he's uh, he's out for a month, but don't worry. Uh, another member of the way, Johnny Gargano, he's going to take Carmelo's title off him. Uh, they've got a match against Casey Gatton, and Caden Carter coming up. And Persia says, look, I can beat both of them up single-handedly. I did it last week if you're not ready. And Indy says, no, I'm fine. In fact, I'm going to dedicate this match to my husband. And then Michael Hamlet, we got Tiffany's epiphany.
2: Uh, I mean, it rhymes.
1: Uh, It cuts to a blonde rich woman who we don't see the face of playing tennis. And she says, look, this first line hooked me straight away. Whoever said money can buy happiness must have been poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She says, Daddy has paid for my tennis lessons since I was a little girl. And now I've got the best serve at the country club. Cut to her,
2: shanking a serve. If you she, ever played tennis, I think she's played tennis as much as G. Cudson's played poker. Cause she did look very good. I look I'm not, I am not sporty. I used to sit and talk about wrestling all day. That shouldn't come as a shock. As a child, I was half decent at tennis, you know? Half decent hmm. at tennis. Every now and then, I treat myself to a game of squash. But, like, when I was younger, certainly, I used to be all right at tennis. Played a couple of times for the school. Um, gave it up. Playstations and crisps as a teenager. You know, gave everything up. Gave all my hopes and dreams up. Gave the, uh, the prospect of ever having abs up. And tennis went away with it. Uh, stuck with snooker and darts, but never, never tennis. <laughs> um, so, yeah from my even very limited uh, sort of abilities of playing tennis as a youngster and getting coached and form on a serve and that, I didn't bother with the basics to do with it. Is it like, is it too much to ask, do you think of? You know, I, I'm not so big on actors going method. You know, when, um, remember when that audio came out of Christian Bale, bollocking somebody on the set, I think it was yes. for the Terminator film he was making. And I understand that like, it's, it's, it's in our nature to kind of protect people in their arts and in their crafts. I was a bit like, all right, chill out. Like, I'm sure somebody hasn't intended to do the thing that whatever they've done. And I'm sure you'll be able to fix it again. And, you know, you haven't needed to lose 28 stone like you did for The Machinist, or you Mm -hmm. haven't needed to smoke 50 fags or whatever it was that made you talk like what you did in Batman. Like, just just take a breath and crack back. I didn't see you killing people or cutting people, you know, for American Psycho. I'm sure you'll be able to get through this. Um, However... (laughs) is there at least a certain level of professionalism that you should try and lock in a character a little bit, as in maybe spend a few days on the tennis court performing at least one? Because Mr. Perfect, all those incredible vignettes, they were bloopers. We know that you didn't nail them 100 times out of 100. What we saw was him doing it, because otherwise he isn't that perfect, is he? Yeah. He keep the perfect one him. She could have shot this 20 times, and they could have been like, well, you got one. Does this mean that was the best one? <laughs> Because otherwise, what? why make her a f- tennis player? Why not say what what you're actually good at? Do that instead. She is to tennis what Cora Jade is to skateboards.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I hear about like, oh, Daniel Day Lewis lived like uh, Lincoln when he was filming Lincoln, and I was thinking, just pretend, Daniel. Just pretend. <laughs> yeah. Think. Oh, yeah. what would it be like if I was living back then?
2: There you go. What's that? <laughs> Adam like- Adam Adam Wilborn Adam Wilborn on acting. What would it be like? Got it. Right, I'll see you set.
1: There's a reason why uh, my acting career may have tapered off slightly. Hello, <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs> Lincoln. <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> have you ever wondered what it would have been like living in my times? <laughs> it's me, Abe Lincoln, from Leeds.
1: <laughs> I'm Abe.Lincoln on Zoom. Wait a second, we haven't <laughs> got that, have we yet?
2: I oh, let me charge my phone. Oh, I've done it again.
1: Um, what were you about? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> just, oh, because I've watched this again to obviously get the quote. And it was just, it was bad enough on double speed, on normal speed, uh, tossing a ball up, then cutting them cutting then, that they can't even show her tossing a ball up and serving it. Someone has to chuck it up for her, and she goes, and then just hits it vaguely over the net. <clears throat> Yeah. Anyway, she continues. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth because uh, silver is tacky. Daddy said I'm ready to take over NXT and he's never wrong. And we find out her full name is Tiffany Stratton and she's unbearable.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, um, a couple of things here. When she was saying, I, I can't hear daddy on a wrestling show anymore because it's too close to whenever you would call me or Sidgwick that in the office. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daddy, can I ask you a question, Daddy? Yeah, a little little
1: note for the listeners. Yesterday, me and Hamlet went for lunch and audibly in the little sandwich (laughs) shop, I went, Daddy, can I have a fruit
2: (laughs) shoot? Oh God! I cannot take it anywhere. Forgot about that one. Daddy, You can have a fruit (laughs) shoot? Chills, man. I was it was a work day. That's my time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm not going for lunch with you anymore. Um, I. So yeah, that was a that was a thing. But that's very much a personal one, a subjective one. Also, um like they were really weird about covering some of her face, considering that you saw her serving a tennis ball, and then you could see like her lips snap. And, and because she's already wrestled on TV, search Tiffany Stratton 205 five live and she's worked a match. Like, go and have a look. Like, if you want, uh, I-, I checked it out. It's-, it's all very basic. I wouldn't expect, they might have, there might be a move that she's got in a locker that we're not seeing because there was nothing to get too, ex- like full gimmick as well. This is not that sort of, hey, check out Tiffany Stratton when she was called Tiffany Smith, like, she's out there, she cuts a promo on the, the fans in the NXT dome, which is purple for 205 life. Um She's in, the like, the tennis skirt. She's dressed very much like Keith Lee was on the main roster. Um And she wrestles a match, and that's your lot. So it's, I don't know why they were so secretive about that coming soon to NXT. But yeah, uh, yet again, like, very strange, cliched traits about this character. And I just can't put my finger on why it is they're doing the things they're doing with her. Mm, exactly. We should we, should, we should work out the common denominator of these specific stereotypes that they insist upon? These people.
1: Well, it, it rolled on next because we got the tag match next: oh, uh, Amy yeah. Hartwell, Persia Perotta versus Casey Gatson and Caden Carter, who had quite the entrance through the crowd. I was waiting.
2: I was waiting for your reaction to this because I knew this was your first look at it. It's something, isn't it? <laughs> we are. Uh, we are not. We are not young people, World You have to remember that.
1: Honestly, I was thinking about this earlier. About how many new things I'm confused by. Mm. Like, not just NFTs and Bitcoin, but like when someone says, like, catch me on Discord, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. It scares me. <laughs> I don't understand any of this. But yes, they did their cool TikTok y entrance through the crowd. Uh, and then there's well, the story this man like I love case Gansar and Kane Carter as a wrestling tag team, I think they work so well in sync. And I think the stuff that they can do is jaw dropping. We saw elements of that in here, but the story of this match, not to you know dismiss the wrestling is Indy Hall just can't concentrate because she's thinking about Dexter Loomis. Uh, she's on the ring apron. She's not even noticing when Persia prot is reaching out to tag her in, when she's even in the ring, she's sort of distracted. She's not all there. And that played into the finish. Um, Persia Prada looked dominant in parts, but the numbers game caught up to her. The fact that Kanzaro and Carter were doing quick tags and double-team manoeuvres and what have you, whilst Indy Hartwell's off in her own little world, thinking about, well, what's he going to do now? He can't use his hands because we do all the sex stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, Indy Hartwell eventually got isolated. Persia got knocked, got knocked off the apron. Uh, and then they did that electric chair splash thing to give KC Catanzaro and Caden Carter the win, which for me is the right thing because I, I want to see them fighting for the tag title soon because I love them working together.
2: Yeah, um NXT wrestler looks at hands isn't exactly a headline, is it? But Indy Hartwell staring at a ring finger, I suppose, was a unique way to try and tell this story. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to accuse you of being too kind here because I, Caden Carter and Casey Cattons are realistically two of the only people that you could put against toxic attraction. If you Mm -hmm. want to stop the most dominant force in NXT, you've got one of the only other established teams, I guess. Um, And presumably this is to tell a side story with Indy Hartwell and Persia Prattner. So if I can be complimentary, what I will say, because I've certainly been... I don't know if anybody spotted this, but I've kind of like put in a bit of a subtle dig at how I think NXT treats women on the show. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wind it back to, to pick it up. But um, I guess I'm going to like offer some gentle praise here. They have effectively established new challenges for the tag titles and set up a spin-off story you would assume between Indy Hartwell and Persia Perotter because Perotter literally, <laughs> literally got it done, no bother by herself without Indy Hartwell around and then Hartwell dragged her down. Again, it's not very subtle. It's all very on the nose. You kind of you're having it spelled out for you, but all right, that's okay. The problem is, even when this show, this show, I mean, NXT 2.0, just to ever slightly differentiate from the main roster, even when this show is good, at best, it's functional. And unfortunately, just because you've got the functional drivers of a storyline, a lot of the wrestlers are so experienced that you're worried you can't really have the payoff at the end. Mm. Like Toxic Attraction, where other than the fact that they lost their first attempt to win the tag titles, were broadly dominant after that. They were put in a position where it kind of became untenable that Toxic Traction wouldn't win the tag titles. But how did we arrive upon that? We arrived upon a series of matches where you looked at them not really appearing ready in matches. So one thing, like the left hand undermines the right a little bit. Mm -hmm. I have certain faith that the stories here will lead to where they're supposed to go. You would imagine perhaps Persia Perotter will turn on Indy Hartwell or Persia Perotter will, um... she's not a formal member of the way, is she? So no. she instead will turn to another state, but it probably won't be the diamond mine because they've got Ivy Nile, but you know what I mean? Like turn to another group and like look for support there because she was never a member of the way and Indy Hart was like down and, and fine. And Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro will challenge the tag titles and fine. But are you really that buzzed for the matches? It doesn't come with the sort of, it doesn't come with a, a certain expectation of the big, I, I was going to say takeover match, but the big pay-per-view payoff because you're not really seeing the work as evidence
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Well, what followed was uh, Andre Chase with his students, always love him on this show, Uh, giving them the tour of the performance center. He bumps into Cameron Grimes and says, Oh, students, gather around. This is a lesson. Never make a decision you'll regret, or it'll cost you a match, or even your hair. And uh, Grimes tells him to go to hell and walks off. So hopefully, he's getting a cave in next week.
2: That's it, isn't it? It's either it's either they're building up your your next opponent following a pay per view, or they're building up somebody that he can beat on route. And Andre Chase feels very much like a guide for Cameron Grimes to beat next week rather than after the fact. Two of my favorite guys in NXT were facing against each other. Yeah, they're, they're giving. I was going to say they're poorly. giving the people. what I was going to say they're giving the people what they want. They're not. They're giving you what you yes. want. That's okay. Could you talk about it. That's all right. Uh,
1: then we got a squash sort of return match for Santos Escobar. Uh, he battered Malik Blade. Uh A tiny bit of offense in again, but it was the usual sort of formula here. Santos eventually <laughs> takes control, exploded suplex into the bottom turnbuckle, double knees, phantom driver, one, two, three. It was all about what happened afterwards, though. Uh, Post-match, the rest of Legado del Fantasma are there. And Electro Lopez gets on the mic and says, no one says no to Legado del Fantasma. Uh, We offered Zion Quinn the opportunity of a lifetime. And he said no. And look what happened to him. But we never needed him anyway. Santos is back and Legado is stronger than ever. Uh, Joaquin Wilde starts talking about the tag titles. But then here comes the best friends, not Chuck Taylor and Trent, but uh, Kyle (laughs) O'Reilly and Van Wagner, who says, hola, amigos. Uh, Kyle Kyle O'Reilly says uh, they want to shot the tag team titles as well. And Wilde says, we already beat you guys. And... uh, Wow, well, Angler says, look at the tape, pal. My foot was on the ropes. We've got unfinished business, you dumb ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then Imperium appear on what can only be described as William Regal's platform. Um, they start talking in, I think, Italian, was it? Yeah. And then uh, Marcel Bartel says, oh, Fabian, the people can't understand you. They're, they're hicks. They're unintelligent. They don't understand second languages and you two teams well you should be embarrassed of each other uh fighting like children called von Wagner lurch which i really liked <laughs> you think you you think you could deserve a shot you think Legado, you can defeat us well none of you can stop you uh you just going to have to figure about amongst yourselves who gets the tag team title shot at war games it's going to be wagner and carl Reilly, isn't it i
2: think so yeah um I mean, is it not within their wheelhouse to end this as a triple threat? Yes. Is there not? Is there not the, you know, like the, the whole
1: sort out amongst yourselves, though, implied number one contenders match next week was what I
2: got from that, though. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I just I wonder if I wonder if NXT would dare not book a finish. I, 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 just, I know that's a bit of a wild suggestion. That's probably, that's probably the sort of prediction we should say for the preview, personally. But I just, I don't know. I got from, I, I didn't get the impression that they would want to um, undermine Lagarde del Fantasma with the defeat here. Although, I guess you're not, um, you're not undermining Santos Escobar, are you? Yeah. No. Typically, typically, you're allowed for the underlings to take a loss so maybe that's that's the main thing they're trying to protect Escobar because you're going to get And they the can Zion be
1: protected Queen. with like a Zion Quinn distraction of sorts I,
2: I Zion Quinn can run in and not that he'll distract Phantasma of course he'll distract Electra Lopez because she's just not been able to switch off those feelings that she's got and it's going to be her getting distracted that costs Phantasma. not the bloody men it's the women <laughs> we'd have been we'd have been fine if it wasn't for that bit of skirt we've got hanging around with us um Aye, probably right. It's probably Von Wagner and Kylo Riley, and it's it's probably Kylo Riley getting pinned by Imperium at a War yep. Games. He's going to look at that double cage and be like, "I used to be somebody. Yeah, I used I, to win those. Th- I used to win those things, to me."
1: I, I understand the uh, the triple threat idea, but there's more than enough people that those 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 agents can have a lot of work on their hands next Sunday already. Let's not compl- complicate things more with a triple threat tag team match.
2: There is um, a. This is another, I guess, for another podcast in more detail, but there is increasing speculation as they're not over what the nature of the Owen Hart Cup is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And AW are set to announce something for that soon. It seems unlikely that it will be a singles tournament because you've got the TBS one ongoing. Um, However, a tag team one doesn't feel out the question, does it? Mm. Um, Or a trios one wouldn't fill out the question either. Owen Hart, a man remembered fondly for his tag teams and for his stables. He wouldn't put out that question. And if only, if only there was a slot where Kyle Riley could fit into either a tag team or a trios mm. act. In a, I can't think of one. I, I'm, I'm asking that question to the listeners because I just can't think of anywhere where carlo Riley could fit into either a tag team or a trio in AEW. Because if that was hypothetically the theme of the Owen Hart Cup, Kyle O'Reilly should be looking for partners. I was going to say 2.0, but they've got um, Daniel Garcia. You know, uh, I was going to say, I, don't know, I was going to say the best friends, but they've just been added to chaos. There's loads of them. I just, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of place it. They're probably not, probably not best friends. What I'm saying is Kyle Riley and Von Wagner will probably win their tag titles to pay off their 20 year long friendship. The, the boyhood, the boyhood dreams have come true for Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner.
1: Those 12 rounds curls have paid off. <laughs> Uh, right, before we got Cora Jade versus the NXT Women's Champion and Mandy Rose, was a bit backstage with the women arguing. Right, <laughs> yeah, sure, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Gonzalez <laughs> kick it off for no apparent reason. Uh, and Just Cora be J-
2: mates. Just be f-ing mates. You're about to enter a double cage match and you don't even dislike each other in the first place. Just be friends. So
1: Cora J comes in and goes, oh, are you really doing this? Can they coexist thing? It's so boring. It's so outdated. And I go, yes. <laughs> Listen to what you're saying, WWE. And Cora J goes, and you're buggered. to <laughs> so Zoe Stark, basically, we need a fourth member. Who could that be? Anyway, I'm going to go and kick Mandy Rose's butt. But before we get to Mandy Rose's butt being kicked, it's time for Tony the Angel. He's oh. asked for this time to give his thoughts on tonight's show. And uh, I think it's Mackenzie introduces him. And literally the first word of his ma- out of his mouth is, oh, he says, <laughs> business is booming. Forget about it. He says, I got the numbers right here. The odds are all over the place. We got people betting on the humorless Paisan, Johnny Gargano. And then we got the tea and crumpets, Fugazi, tough guy, Pity Poppins. He's got people betting on him, too. But me? Hey, my money's on the no-T-shirt wearing Goomba Carmelo Hayes. He says, uh, McKenzie, uh, you got some uh, money you want to put down? little inside tip. LTST coming here, ladies and gentlemen. Beanie Poppins don't stand a chance. Uh, He says, you know, we could turn that one-carat ring on your finger in a two-carat ring. You follow? Just call my guy, list of soprano characters unbelievable Hesh. 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 it's, the
2: it's, it's, it's a, like it's for it's for us isn't it like that's not uh, that's that's not a, an accident at this point it's a bit the man's entire life and backstory has been turned into a bit like they are that Sopranos wikipedia page has got more updates at this point than the wwe personnel yeah <laughs>
1: He says, just call my guy Hesh, put the bet in, trust me. He says, thank you for your diamond. She goes to hand it back and he goes, hey, back to the
2: three stooges at the desk. (laughs) So we've had, right, we've had poker for real in NXT. We've had the implication that uh, Tony D'Angelo has got a guy Hesh. Now, you know where Hesh is going to lead, don't you? He's going to lead Tony D'Angelo all the way to AEW. He's going to ride in on Pio o and then call out Hangman Page for a match for the title. You think that's cowboy I'll show you some cowboy shit. You should have seen who built my house. (laughs) Hesh. Christ almighty. I I almost admire that, you know. That's come all the way back around to maybe being funny again, that they are exclusively dealing in Soprano's characters for his friends and family. Just can couldn't get over this. Hesh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for all that we've... We've gone quite, like, ornate with the predictor. We really do just need to add... Pick your favourite Sopranos name this week.
1: Mike, do you know what I, I, I think would... I... My uh, Tony D'Angelo predictor for War Games is... What's, what's my favourite spot in War Games history, Michael Hamflat?
2: Uh, Eel Shirai putting a bin on her head
1: and jumping onto everybody else. So Tony D'Angelo is going to roll himself up in a rug and then jump off the
2: table. <laughs> of that is good. That is good. He brings, out a, he brings out a glass fishbowl with a fish in it and then smashes it over someone's head. Hey, you're me where the fish is.
1: Oh, I'm so excited for him in war games. I can't tell you. Anyway, right, we got Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade. Non-title, mind you, uh, which was quite lucky because Cora Jade, you know, Mandy Rose for the most part dominates and then Cora fires up, uh, hits a hits a Rana, hits a charging knee in the corner. Snapmare covers, gets a two count. Uh, goes up top, but she comes off. Mandy moves and, and just takes control. Mandy is he's, she's got the match won. She's the NXT Women's Champion after all. But then in the midst of the match, out comes raging Kaylee Ray with a baseball bat. She twats the ring post. She twats. I think one of the monitors or something at ringside this distracts mandy rose and cora jade the skateboarder who can't skate on a board pins the nxt women's champion
2: a few thoughts on this um i'm gonna give cora jade a bit of praise first because we're sometimes on cora jade's case because she's not that experienced and it sometimes shows in her matches and that's the fault of nxt for yeah being a television show i guess um (laughs) She doesn't appear to be the most confident skateboarder and yet they've slapped her on a skateboard. But that's not on her particularly. And do you know what I really liked in this? How good was Cora Jade's cover of Mandy Rose? Mm. She was moving constantly to try and like shift her body weight. She didn't this didn't look like a 24-7 roll-up. She like she she hooked her and then she rolled her body twice onto Mandy Rose's legs to try and apply pressure. I really appreciated the craft in that. And uh, that, I what worry about my
1: favourite, like surprise roll-up shock wins, which is Shawn Benjamin against Triple H all those years ago on Raw.
2: Indeed, is- indeed. Like it's that sort of you've got to do everything you can because an opportunity has fallen in your lap and you've got to take it. And I worry that 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 praise even sounds condescending because we've not had like some of the nicest things to say about some of the more experienced wrestlers on this show. Um, but I just thought that was. More than your average, and I like seeing wrestlers shoot for a little bit more. I like seeing them make that maximize the minutes and all that sort of stuff. So I just want to like isolate a bit of praise for Cora J there because the match otherwise wasn't really anything to write home about. It was just an NXT TV match. Kaylee Ray, right, is so brilliant that I will extend an awful amount of patience mm. to whatever she's going to do on this show. This is a overdue and let's be honest, late call up for Kaylee Ray. She probably should have been in an original version of NXT back when the women were absolutely smashing it on takeovers. She probably now should already be getting buried on the main roster in matches that we've <laughs> to watch. She's that far ahead of a lot of this crop. Um, are we supposed to be receiving her as a character that you can't trust, that the babyfaces have got to rely on? Or does this show hate women so much that she's just an out-and-out babyface? Like, I, I couldn't... From when she debuted, and I know they did that standoff with Toxic attraction, but nothing about her screamed babyface. No, and now and now she's with these guys because she's she's crazy. Um, she got a bet, like that's why she's with the babyfaces because she's there to make up the numbers. She's got war games experience. She was great in that war games as well. Again, oh, yeah. as a special guest, she was awesome in the tw- but as a heel, she was an awesome heel in the twenty nineteen war games. Um, so I I don't mind that she's in the match i think it's beneficial to have more experienced wrestlers in there to hold it together and you can't put this all on the shoulders of an anio shirai or maybe or generously Mandy rose so the more experienced wrestlers you've got in there the better and kaylee ray can absolutely handle herself and then some in this match but i don't how am i supposed to read this is it like the baby faces have got no choice or genuinely do they think that she is exhibiting heroic qualities is going to win the match for the faces to set up Kaylee Ray versus Mandy Rose as the next big title programme. I can't work out what I'm supposed to be looking at here.
1: No, me neither. Uh, but after the break, as Jade celebrated with her teammates, Kaylee Ray came in and went, I'm the fourth member of the team. And by the way, are we taking on the uh, ladder match to determine the war games advantage next week? So... I mean, I feel a little bit less scared about that, at least, with her in there <laughs> and now her and Io Shirai in, in War Games proper, although they can't do any stuff with each other. But Dakota Kai's in there, so three mm. out of eight ain't bad, I suppose.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's it. Yeah, three of
1: them. Um, Hayes cuts a promo ahead of the main event, uh, saying that the disrespect should have stopped last week uh has been here five years like that's a good thing i've been here five months and i'm already a champion dunn said he's got 10 years more experience but it's not about experience this is the a show he's the a champion and when he shoots tonight he won't miss uh joe Gacy's talking some more bollocks about making the ring a safe space (laughs) land puts his hand on his shoulder and Gacy does that weird head tilt smile thing L.A. Knight makes his entrance uh, for his match against Joe Gacy. But immediately gets jumped by Grayson Waller, and they have this big pull-apart brawl. So Gacy gets on the mic and says, oh, I'm sorry about that. I wish I could have shown L.A. Knight the error of my ways. That wasn't meant to be. I'm here to talk about how to fix. Thank God, here comes Diamond Mine. Malcolm Bivens says, you stole us the spotlight from us last week, so we're doing the same tonight. Uh Take your thesaurising ass out of the ring because Ivy Niles got a match. And Gacy says, Hey, hey, I respect that, but I don't have respect for Roderick Strong. His name alone is an example of toxic masculinity. And the Cruiserweight Championship, that's an example of weight shaming. It triggers those of a certain body type. Uh, it's meant to divide. Strong just. Could not give a toss. He wants to kick the crap out of this bloke. He says, whatever you say, yeah, fine. I don't fear you. I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of any weight limit. Look, my next money match is standing here. Bivins, make it have happen. And Malcolm Bivens says, I'm going to dot the T's and cross the I's for a match between you two at War Games and uh Gacy says, thank you. I look forward to resolving this issue. And Bivins tells the creeds to take out the garbage, but suddenly hard land appears and they go, oh, maybe next time. Thoughts on all this?
2: God, stop saying things you don't understand, WWE. Stop it. There is a Wikipedia page, presumably, for young contemporary terms and the way people speak, that they are also visiting when they've finished finding the Sopranos character name, just to feed Joe Gacy, this alphabet soup of terminology that they do not know how to apply in context. And it is infuriating. <laughs> a 205 pound weight limit for a division is not weight shaming. You have just tried to put terms together that you think make sense. I can hate it. Roderick Strong. The name is not an example of toxic masculinity. And belts do divide people into winners and losers because it's a fucking wrestling show. What are you doing here if you don't want to divide people into winners and losers, Joe Casey? God damn this stupid gimmick (laughs) that possibly intentionally, I don't know, mocks everything that it espouses to be. It's, It's rancid garbage, this thing. And I, I don't want to be somebody getting worked up about something that everybody else was already bored of six to eight weeks ago, but it was just the way it was showcased here I found particularly galling. Not least because, who the hell's the baby face? Um, Diamond Mine are a bunch of heels, this much we know, through every clue that we get about these characters. But then they come out in like far greater numbers than Joe Casey, a bunch of bullies, effectively, and like shut this heel down with a challenge uh, that then, because of Harland, they kind of back away from. So they're cowards too. Like, I don't know who anybody is in this feud. Hmm. Um, and you know who else I don't know who anybody is? Odyssey Jones, Jacket Time. Who are they? Because they're nowhere near the Cruiserweight title or the feuds they've been having for the last month at this point. We've got Joe Gacy versus Roderick Strong, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure kicked off as Joe Gacy kind of trying to audition himself to join the, join the stable last week. Yeah. And they've. They took a card, didn't they? Slightly. Aye. L- like, None this would I cannot sanction this. Um, oh, now I said sanction maybe WWE could write it down and have Joe Gacy say it next week and misuse it. Um, I just too illogical, too stupid. Joe Gacy versus Roderick Strong is not a particularly attractive pairing, in my opinion, but at least that's the wrestling match element of this. All of this was fluff and nonsense. 245
1: Logical. pounds Joe Gacy has billed out. <laughs> hey actually i've changed my mind on him he's born on august the 8th be all right
2: illogical trash
1: so is this a way for him to lose to roderick strong and then odyssey jones go well if there's no bloody weight limits
2: yeah probably no like you're joking probably <clears throat> if that's what we're, if that's what we're doing here then yeah and then uh, joe gacy and horland uh, can patronize the creed brothers by saying uh, we tried to make this a safe space, but you've been making this incredibly dangerous for people. It's like, yeah, because we're wrestlers, Joe. <laughs> it's a wrestling ring.
1: Um, Right. Another, when are they going to get to the Fireworks Factory segment from MSK <laughs> this time? Uh, they're driving. I, don't about,
2: I don't know about Fireworks Factory because I think there have been bullies in it, Will. Warren.
1: There you So... They've tried to get a bus, which they missed and then walked. They were on a plane. I think there might have been a week that I missed that maybe something else happened. Uh, Planes, trains, and automobiles, basically. They're driving now to find this Shaman. Uh, and, uh, well, they're all a bit paranoid in the car. And Lee tells the car, hey, slow down. You don't want to attract any attention. And then they get the, the blues and twos, the flashing lights behind them, and they toss this mysterious bag that's full of weed. But they can't say it's full of weed, so they have to say it's substances or a mystery thing that would be very bad for the authorities to discover about. Uh, and Carter rolls down the window and one of them says, hello Ossifer.
2: Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> the policeman says, do you know how fast were you going? Do you know how fast you can drive around here? And they go, oh, I don't know, 35, 40? And he says, seven. <laughs> seven. <laughs> Seven miles an hour. They talk. They're out of the car. They've, they've been asked to, to to reveal what's in the package, and uh, they say, oh, "I can't go to jail. I'm too pretty to go to jail." And as they go to unzip the bag, <laughs> car comes past faster than the Furious style, and the police says, well, You're lucky this time. I'll let you off with a warning. i have going to go and catch some real criminals." And Carter says. He's watching over them, and they head off. MSK almost busted, Hamlet.
2: <laughs> I refuse to descend into madness over this. Otherwise, it'd just be reefer madness, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> them two and the jazz cigarettes. I know. I'm just like all you other young people. I know what it is. I know it's because they didn't have enough sleep. That was why they were overtired, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They were staying up too late studying wrestling matches. I remember when I was their age and I was young and tired, and I can only assume that it's because they were watching wrestling tapes so that one day they could know more than is necessary about WWE's history.
1: Watching wrestling for four hours and twenty minutes—what's all
2: this about? <laughs> <sighs> was this a was this like a rib on top of some LTST? Because were they playing the roles of Rob and Damme and Sabu when he won the WWE title? <laughs> MSK, MSK when this relaunch started were one of the few acts that at least resembled what this looked like aesthetically. They defended the tag titles lost them and haven't wrestled since. Like these were the ones that were supposed to fit <laughs> the show. I was, th- we were sat here going, right, get, change
1: everything else if you want to do that, introduce all these weird new characters and bright colours. But you have genuinely, not to be too hyperbolic, a legacy feud here, MSK and the grizzled young veterans, polar opposites yes. who've already pulled out a arguably match of the year candidate and can easily do so again. And now I'm just mm-hmm. there going, look what they've done to my
2: boys. Oh, I, look, I hope, I hope this shaman can save them. I hope he's got like some five-star advice for them because I just, <laughs> I, my hopes aren't, my hopes aren't, Hi, right now world on
1: i just hope uh rvd's missus shows up because i was vaguely aware about her and you know impact and what have you
0: yeah uh, you already
1: introduced me to her properly yesterday and uh well, i got lost on her instagram page for about half an hour if i'm perfectly honest, <laughs> couldn't look nice. away good or okay. um, for good and bad reasons anyway uh one other thing i couldn't look away from was ivy nile who dominated, wrecked. I think uh, Ulyssa Leon was the name of her. I love Ivy Nile incorporating push-ups and sit-ups. <laughs> yes. kicking, And then she just put her in a sleeper, like a front guillotine effectively. And also prior to that, took her in f- head off with a lariat. <laughs> More Ivy Nile on my television.
2: Well, th- yes, but this exact amount of Ivy Nile. Yes. These, are when, these are when squashes are great. You get about like two minutes of, uh, you get this cool character stuff like the push-ups and the flexing and all that kind of stuff. And we've seen what, three of these or two of them? Either way, um, they're super effective. You get who this character is and let it stay around the two minute mark rather than racing to 10, 11, like we got with B-Fab and Electro Lopez because I actually get to feel something for a wrestling character on NXT 2.0. I'm
1: annoyed that they didn't do, I know she was part of Diamond Mine so it probably wouldn't work but I'm annoyed for once that they genuinely didn't do vignettes. Put Ivy Nile in a bar and someone comes up and goes, hey, Tut, uh, you're coming on with me tonight? And she glasses him <laughs> like in the bar and smashes his head off the bar. Because she could handle herself. I think she's just fantastic in these sort of
2: shows. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, she's probably got to put up with that on NXT 2.0 anyway, the way yes. they're all absolutely in just sex-obsessed bunch of jocks and weirdos. Like, there's it. We're probably seeing shoot versions of that at the performance center juice bar. <laughs>
1: uh, right. We had a series of things. One of them I'm desperate to talk to you about, one of them less so. My poor boys, the grizzled young veterans, they they bump into a guy backstage and steal his wallet. But it's all look at, you
2: look, look at you pretending it's not a legacy feud. They're both going to get in trouble with the police. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. in the same cell. Yeah, there you go. That's how it all kicks off again. Hell in a prison
1: cell, uh, and then whilst they're doing that, by the way, they walk off, and LA Knight and Grayson Water are still just fighting through backstage. Uh, Solo Sokoa uh, says he doesn't care, he'll fight anyone, and he beats up a punch bag. And then Michael Hamlet, just when you thought it was safe, that there was no fiend adjacent stuff going on in WWE. <laughs> uh is inhabited by the spirit of Mei Ying. She's passed on her strength and her spirit, but he's got no control over it. But once controlled, we will all fear him and his face transforms and he blows smoke. Oh, I'm so excited for how they ruin this.
2: Well, I'll f*** the blob.
1: <laughs>
2: uh... Fiend's back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't know On the main roster, we're getting whatever this crap is in NXT.
2: What's I will answer your question with a question because you described that so beautifully. What's worse for Boa? Uh, the, like the prospect of this being dropped or the fact they've remembered it because that was weird the other week, but then it just then it went. And you just thought, oh, my God, imagine if they've done that to Boa, and then they've dropped it. And then you watch this and you're like, oh, my God, and the, oh, what have they done to Boa? and they've kept it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I tell you what I do know is that I was watching Survivor Series and we, you know, we watched some of it together and that elimination match was so boring and 30 minutes was too long and none of these characters are particularly over that it's... I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to think the best option for WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble winner it's Bray Wyatt, and I, I, I don't, I don't, it's absolutely not absence making the heart grow fonder, but it is looking at this show and being like, "Well, there's nowhere else I want him to wrestle." That character is really stupid, and this wrestling show is really stupid. They belong together. <laughs> like number thirty, <laughs> Br- like huge the, roof had come off the, the place. ah, oh, people loved him, man. I knew I was an outlier. We were outliers on this podcast. Absolutely enormous pop out he comes. Sister Abigail's the last people in there. Like he points like the WrestleMania sign suddenly, because it's a video screen now, has like locks and billboards on it. And he points, and you just hear him go, let me in. And then the locks and billboards all fall away, fall away, and the fireworks go off. And praise off to WrestleMania. Like, and, and I Like, maybe as hideous and stupid and as contradictory as all this stuff is, Boer included. There's one place to do it. Isolate it to WWE. Isolate it to this ridiculous Disney Plus of a promotion and keep it out of wrestling elsewhere. Then he can... I'll tell you you what it is, right? I've got a bit of anxiety at the moment. I didn't anticipate that um, AEW would run Winter is Coming this year. It Mm. seemed... It seemed really in keeping with last year's feud with Omega and Moxley. We knew there was a big special coming for the TBS shift in January. It just didn't, you didn't predict it. You didn't feel like, oh, Winter is Coming was going to be this beach break type annual mm-hmm. thing. And I've, ever since I saw the graphic, I've had these anxiety sweats that we're going to see the logo on the night. Winter is Coming, change to Wyndham is Coming. Mm-hmm. And much like how Sting debut, this is going to be this big night for Bray. And uh I'm not against wrestlers getting jobs and all that. I just some wrestlers fit in with the wrestling companies better than others, and I don't know.
1: Fiend can uh fiend can win the Rumble and then lose in under five minutes this time at
2: WrestleMania. (laughs) 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 Oh, he did that, he would even put him against what am I saying? Fiend versus Roman Reigns. He you put you put a title on Randy. I'm thinking like, oh, Christ, yeah, brilliant. Do that. Put the bat on Randy and Randy can go 3-0 against Bray Wyatt. I was thinking he will be like Roman Reigns as I was asking people to acknowledge him and Bray's always asking people to let him in. Just acknowledge me. Let me in. It's just people trying to get into a building. <laughs> acknowledge me. Let me in. You could have Randy
1: Orton do a big smoke-filled entrance as well because it's just Riddle just blazing it up backstage <laughs> and blowing it out.
2: MSK running around.
1: <laughs> Huskers, the pig boy, screws Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania.
0: (laughs) Oh, speaking
1: of... Oh, God, just getting screwed. What the hell are they doing with the grizzled young veterans? They're so goddamn good, and they lost to Briggs Jensen, Brooks Jensen, whatever they're pissing called. And they had the temerity to be like, yeah, enough of all this tag team wrestling. Let's cut backstage to a pointless brawl. Um... (laughs) Look, the GYV is so good, and I don't care if they do the same thing every match. I love seeing them go, oh, look over there, and then cheating, and it's sort of coming off for them. But what happened this time is Drake gets taken over after uh, – there's an avalanche in the corner, and he comes down bad on his knee, basically, and he sells it, uh, and as the referee says, oh, I've got to check on him. Wait a second – Zach Gibson goes to the cheap shot, and I'm thinking, great, here we go. Big finish here, and then you can set up the GYV and being in and amongst the number one contenders. Maybe they even face and beat Kyle O'Reilly and Van Wagner if they win the titles at the war Game. No, no, the stupid, pissing, boring, hillbilly, real and fan in group just knock Zach Gibson off the apron, Catch Drake, who's going for a kick, but I thought his knee was bad. And they hit that high-low combo, one, two, three. I got I hated this Hamlet.
2: Rubbish, man, rubbish. There's a reason why we take the piss out of these uh, gimmicks, these vignettes and skits that you get with the likes of the Grizzly Young Vets trying to learn how to be more effective cheats, or Duke Hudson playing poker, or Joe Gacy not understanding what his gimmick even is. It's because it never, or almost never, Um, is justified by what happens in the ring. And the ring, remember, is the place where they do their jobs. Every vignette, every characteristic, every gimmick, fundamentally, fundamentally, has to exist for the betterment of their wrestling careers. They are here to wrestle to win matches, to win titles. When these things do not in any way connect to the other, then the gimmicks are completely rudderless and they're completely pointless. What are we watching the Grizzled Young Vets attempt to achieve with their hijinks and their theft and their skullduggery if they just lose matches to Greenhorns anyway. This were a team that, and I don't need to tell you this, um, this were a team that were had their hands on the belts on more than one occasion. They were within touching distance. They, were, they had them in NXT UK, if that was even a brand and existed or a figment of all our imaginations, I can't be sure. But there was a rumor that they held titles for this mystery brand called NXT UK. And they were just a super effective tag team that have, they've decided that they've got rubbish. So they've decided that because they're rubbish, they're having to learn all these tricks and hijinks and appear in Peter Sellers' Pink Panther skits. (laughs) And then they have lost anyway. So by virtue of the poor decisions they've made, they've got worse. If you're trying to read these as characters, of course you're not, this is booking decisions that are being made and bad ones at that. But that's why you take the piss out of these terrible characters. And speaking of terrible characters, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, Briggs, Josh, and whatever, as rough and tough cowboy fighters in a bar, just half-baked, one-note joke gimmicks, mm. entering in, entering in uh, matches that are either boring or bad or a combination of the two. Like, the worst-case scenario was them finally getting out a win in ways. Maybe we're leaving the dusty trail behind and we're going all the way to the top of 2.0. Like, I, it just... Surely these were designed to be losers so they would step away from this and they would find Mm. who they actually are. But no, it appears as if they've like paid their dues and they're going to become gunslingers around here. (laughs) Like, just, I don't want these characters to improve because they're two of the worst of the bunch. And it's not on Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. It rarely is when we criticise the stuff on the show. It's rarely on the wrestlers. This wasn't a particularly great match, but this is not a criticism isolated to the wrestlers. Just a lousy gimmick. It's lousy stuff and the Grizzled Young Vets were not the act to sacrifice to it. Piss poor.
1: Right, main event time, North American Championship on the line, triple threat, Carmelo Hayes versus Pudun and Johnny Gargano. Um, as you would expect, with three guys in this. Uh, this was one of the best matches on the show. Uh, yes, there was a lot of the usual, right, one of you go down and we'll do our spots together, and maybe we'll do a few three-man spots in there, but... Regardless, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, Pete Dunn did a half crab on b- both of them. Uh, Trick Williams constantly interfering, dragging Carmelo Hayes out of there. Um, Hayes fights back. He does a uh, springboard body g- body block on uh, Pete Dunn and starts battering Johnny Gargano. But Gargano fights out of the corner and hits that bulldog running clothesline combo on both of them, uh, and he dives. On to Dunn and Hayes, setting up a running hurricane to to Pete Dunn as we uh, head towards the break. Hayes looks like he's in control, sends Gargano to the apron, but Gargano fights back and hits a slingshot spear um, as uh, Gargano is caught. And what looks like the bitter end, he reverses it into a DDT for a near fall. Uh, They hit stereo kicks. Uh, to Hayes, but he's back up and he suplexes done onto Gargano and goes for a, a, a pinfall on there. Gargano runs them both over, then Laundas, Hayes, Dunn though, suddenly grabs Gargano, hits him with the bitter end. He's got the match won. He's won the title. One, two. Tony D'Angelo's there. Oh. Your feelings, your hopes and dreams. He drags Pete Dunn out of the ring, breaks up the pinfall, hoys him into the steps. And Carmelo Hayes has recovered to hit that guillotine leg drop on Johnny Gargano. One, two, three. He retains the title, but it was all about what happened post-match as well. Um, In comes LA Knight and uh, Grayson Waller. They're still brawling uh, in the midst of all this. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams not only have celebrated, but have decided to do exactly what they did to Dexter Loomis, to Johnny Gargano, he puts his hand in a chair. But then Tommaso Ciampa's music hits. He comes out bringing a chair of his own and saves his former DIY teammates, swinging a chair, uh, helping the babyfaces clear the ring. Uh, The babyfaces being, I'm not mistaken, Tommaso Ciampa, (laughs) Johnny Gargano, uh, L.A. Knights, Old school NXT through and through LA night. And Pete Dunn, there's a nice moment with uh, Gargano and Champa, And uh, I'm sat there going, wait a second. So you've got those guys. That's four people. And I'm looking, going, I love you, Trick Williams. They ain't putting you on the War Games team. But you've got Carmelo Hayes. You have got Grayson Waller. You've got Tony D'Angelo. But you need a fourth name. And then the music hits... Out comes Ron Breaker to scream, war games! And they pile in and they announce a scream about new school versus old school. We've got another match added to that war games pay-per-view. Your thoughts on Tony D'Angelo screwing Putin and this massive war game development as well, Hamflip
2: i spotted your sarcasm obscured by your typically brilliant review and recap of the match there about who the baby faces are who the heels are and how we're supposed to unpick all of this uh the broad brush strokes from the opening bell to the closing trademark graphic of this were decent i didn't love the match but it was a a good main event i'll never watch it again I'll never remember sort of one key moment from it, unless maybe Tony D'Angelo pulling the leg out at the end. But like nothing happened in it that gave you that any of that sort of feeling that um, Carmelo Hayes has done in the past, where he's had had those types of, um, well, breakout, for want of a better phrase. That was the Mm. big thing in NXT, wasn't it? But those breakout moments, um, this didn't have that which I guess could be seen as a bit of a disappointment when you're in there with Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano, but it was it was good. Like Carmelo Hayes doesn't look like he's like first day out of training school, like a lot of the wrestlers do. He never has done. Like one of the reasons I think we all enjoy him and Trick Williams so much is because they just feel like they're naturals at this. Mm. They're one of the few acts that were just delivered to us box fresh, like new shoes on episode one of 2.0. And they actually felt like they'd been together more than five minutes, which the same couldn't be said for all these other Insta characters. Um, that came across in the match. Uh, the, the, the union between the NXT old school, I would like to think, is um, fragile by design. As you have pointed out there, LA Knight is not some sort of black and gold lifer. <laughs> I, don't, I, th- I think this is right. Yeah, he never wrestled once in full sail. Mm-hmm. They were they were permanently out of full sale before LA Knight even arrived. So you were right to pick up on that. Uh, Pete Dunn and LA Knight weren't, or I guess they are now, default baby faces before tonight. So you know, um, I don't know if you spotted this, but uh, Tommaso Ciampa picked up Johnny Gargano quite slowly and by the hand. You might not pick this up. I think you alluded to it in your recap. They um, they used to be tag partners. Ah. Uh. There was a match once upon a time called uh, "One Final Beat," and if you didn't kill yourself before it finished, you'll remember a spot where uh, there was some stroking of the hand that unified that there was once a bond that had been severed forever. And as Champa picked up Gargano, I think, and I, I know I'm accused of going too deep sometimes, little bond. Mm-hmm. I think there might have been uh, there might have been drawing some comparisons to a, a past between those two little uh, <laughs> breadcrumbs, you might say, not <laughs> not something that was complete, completely completely obvious and on the nose, just breadcrumbs. So I think. The fragility of the old school team is is by design, right? I think that the, this idea that the new school are here to take over and they're not going to they're not gonna be polite and they're not going to wait the turn. They're just going to have this spot and they're going to have this night and they're going to do it at war games. They're going to do it in this big, brutal taking of the throne, as it were. You know, they haven't been able... Bron Breaker hasn't been able to take Tommaso Champa's title yet, but this is a way in which they can take something on the night and then mm-hmm. ultimately Champa's days are numbered. Uh, it's not bad. It's not... Bron breaker mixing in with these douchebags um is just one of them things that happens in 2.0. He was I know he lost the champa, and I know he said, Look, I'm gonna get you next time, but he's not turned heel, mm-hmm. and yet he's just hanging out with these assholes, you know, like the he's just accepted his lot because he thought, like, well, they'll do, they'll do to help me make my point at war games, which is that I don't have any respect for the old guard. Um, it's all right, this isn't it. I think we'd be performative to call it good. It'd feel too generous to say that this match is going to be awesome. But I think there are several interesting combinations of wrestlers that will that will certainly try. I think I think the old guard versus the new crop is the way this had to go because the the golf was too pronounced. Like they had to do they had to tell the story in 2.0. You couldn't just have straight up heels and straight up baby faces because it was too ridiculous. It's like, oh, you've got these people that kind of look like they don't belong here anymore, Champa and Gargano and the like, and then you've got these people that have just been invented one week, <laughs> <Like> these <laughs> human beings that didn't exist, and then suddenly, that seven days later, NXT gets a new coloured building, and suddenly they do exist. So you did kind of have to do this to sort of formalise what you've been trying to do, and that's to go right the way back to what we said at the start of this podcast. That's what I quite like. I think it is time to draw a thick neon line between old and new. Mm -hmm. And it's going to happen at War Games when I fully expect the younger younger Christ, you know, the the newer guys to prevail. I fully expect these fresh characters to prevail over the old guard. I fully expect and I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Johnny Gargano taking a pin because I want that to represent something else entirely. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, then Bron Breaker has a a new claim to stake against Champa that justifies his rematch and we get to probably where we need to go.
1: And I know what you're thinking, Amphlet. Yeah, it's all well and good pitching that and we know Gargano's hopefully heading out the door towards AEW, but even so, you look at that and the fragility of that team and go, I've got LA Knight, Pete Dunn, Gargano and Champa together. How on earth are you going to present these guys as talented as Carmelo Hayes is and as huge as Bron Breaker is? I'll tell you how. Never mind all this bollocks about who's going to get the advantage. I could not care less about that next week because I know what's going to happen at war games. And that is at one point they're going to have the baby faces are going to be coming out of their cage or whatever it is. But who have the heels got on their team? Tony D'Angelo who's quite good at the, picking a certain lock. So all four of them, are they going to hit the uh, War Games ring? And that's how they're going to do it because they're going to have the numbers advantage for the longest period of time. So by the time that the other two or three people eventually get in, as much as they will be fresh, one of the guys, Johnny Gargano, will be beaten down and then he can eat the pin easily and it sort of excuses everything else.
2: My Aunt Meadow, she used to design the finest padlocks this side of the New Jersey Shore. We got, we got we got, this place on lockdown. The exactly. Angelo family had this place on lockdown for generations.
1: If that happens, I will pop more than I did when Dakota Kai turned on Tegan Knox, and that was me leaping out of my sofa and texting you guys. that's how you do a f***ing turn.
2: Yeah, I, I won't because I was in the building and I lost my...
1: <laughs> <man>. <laughs> well, anyway, let <laughs> us know your thoughts on everything that went down on, on War Games and on the last night's episode of NXT 2.0 on... Oh. Oh. At what culture WWE? Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at.
2: Not enough egg on the show for me. At Michael Hanflet. You can
1: follow me at Adam Wilborn. You can wish Michael Sidgwick well in his recovery at M Sidgwick. And you can buy his book at whatculture.bigcartel.com. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 preview. We'll be back later on today with the, uh, sorry, that was the NXT 2.0 review. We'll be back with the preview of AEW Dynamite later on today. What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. But for now, my thanks to Michael Hanflet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.